bring us back in. Welcome back to In Our Own Defense Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Attorney A.D. Winters, uh, owner and manager of VeteransDefender.com, and, and of course, my esteemed co-host, Dr. Dolores Tarver, licensed psychologist. Today at In Our Own Defense Podcast, we're discussing racial trauma with the very capable, talented Dr. Uh, Noesi. And she's here with us talking about this, and we're joining the show again. We want to talk to you about our racial trauma. Dr. Tarver? Yes, so I was saying earlier in the opening that I am, I'm struggling, like I'm exhausted. Uh, I am, I am definitely jumpy and scared every time I hear a sound mm -hmm. that used to not bother me walking around, which I do countless numbers of days after work. But now I'm, I'm looking more as I see people walking. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about where they're going, what they're doing. If, if trucks ride by me in particular, if I see police cars now, uh, I am also just afraid to even open up conversations when people call me or text me, like, what are they going to want? Are they going to want to talk about this? Are they going to want, right? So I know that other people are probably experiencing a variety of things as well. So can you just talk about some of the reactions, uh, going a little bit more detail about why we're experiencing some of these things uh, mm -hmm. and, and how we can manage it. Because I know one of the things I mentioned earlier is I'm having to take a break from things, but what are some ways that people can cope with whatever they're experiencing, whatever they may be feeling in regards to what they're seeing via social media and, and on television right now? Sure, so I think one of the important things um, to remember uh, uh, in terms of thinking about racial trauma is what we know about what trauma does um, to the mind, um, to our emotions and to our body. So if we think about at least just those, you know, kind of three areas. So from a mood or kind of psychological, uh, emotional um, aspect, the idea that when you are witnessing or experiencing um, significant uh, experiences of discrimination, um, you may be triggered, as I said previously, you know, based on your own history. So things that may begin to come up for you. Um, but in essence, you know, you experience a range of emotions. So there's the fear, there's the sadness, there's the rage. In some cases, you know, you know, may be confused um, and denial, which may lead to, for me, the mental piece, the cognitive piece, you know, our thoughts. Um, you know, are they replaying, you know, the situation or conversations in their mind um, in some cases, um, ruminating the way that we kind of talk about that, unable to maybe clear their minds at night, which results in insomnia, you know, things yes. of that, that notion. Um, it can also actually really uh, disrupt from a neurological sense, um, our sense of organization, our ability to focus. So if folks are noticing that they're not able to read, you know, at this particular time or to focus on tasks related to work, that's a very typical normative experience with regard to, you know, physiologically what happens um, when we're in this kind of heightened state of, uh, you know, hypervigilance. And the hypervigilance, you know, is you know, connected to what we're thinking and how we're taking in, you know, our context, but also, again, serves to activate our body. So that idea of fight, flight, or freeze, which is our body's natural preparation you know, for fear, um, you know, really readies us in so many different ways, not just that we're paying attention, but that, again, your heart is beating faster, you know, your organs are, you know, really ready to go and you're prepared to do something. And the, the thing about racism in particular is that, that hypervigilance is that you don't know, right? You don't always know until something happens. Um, and so as we are inundated again and having our own experiences, folks are likely to be, you know, experiencing a range of emotions, 
a range of thoughts um, and a range of physiological experiences. There are some of us who really process our emotions and our bodies, and so it's really going to you know, be challenging and difficult. And that's, you know, the person who's also a health researcher, right, that also gets connected to some of the medical conditions that we have, blood pressure, um, things of that nature, and certainly it thus affects our behavior. So in an effort to do a lot of that, for some folks, we're able to channel that Ideally, so when I talk about recommendations, we're able to channel that and, you know, in a different direction so that it's not um, a health compromising situation, but many folks, you know, may not recognize or be consciously aware in the moment of what's going on and they just want, you know, maybe to sleep um, or for their mind to stop racing. So they're going to try to cope. Unfortunately, we know that racial trauma is associated with, you know, substance use in some cases, right? So whether it's drinking or using drugs to try to calm oneself. Um, you know, for example, um, and, you know, just thinking about all the disruptions, again, with regard to our activities of, of daily living. Now, what I want, and what I try and what I tell people in terms of recommendations, if we know that racism has significantly negative, you know, effects on our bodies, and we know that historically, um, generations of folks have both experienced and passed down, and there's also plenty of health research that talks about on a cellular level, how trauma, right, and racial trauma can be passed down, we have to begin to uh, intentionally, deliberately think about how to lean into those activities and those um, um, situations that are going to serve to counter affect um, what I just described. So for example, if you're ruminating, you're thinking a lot, you can't read, you've got to think from a personality perspective, what do I need to do? Is that journaling? Am I somebody that likes to write? But the idea is to get the thoughts out. Maybe I'm a person who likes to talk. So is there a trusted person I can discuss? I would not recommend anybody post on social media because you invite commentary. That's not the goal. Um, I don't, you know, I also want people to be very vigilant about who you engage. Not every conversation is going to be helpful, to your point, right? Some folks are going to come from a different perspective. Now you're in a battle. Yes. Yeah, too emotionally taxing, right? So the goal is to get some of the thoughts out um, with regard to our bodies, right? There are a couple of different ways. I, I too have a regular exercise regimen first thing in the morning and I'm listening to music. I was listening to the message the other morning and public enemy and all that good stuff while I was working out because that's where I was, right? So really thinking about what are the things that make me or that move me into a, a, a different place. For me, the, some of the songs that you know I mentioned are more like resistance-oriented songs, so not to succumb to the negative, you know, feeling really bad and hopeless and helpless. It's like these, that was the music, you know, in my generation in terms of what, you know, that idea of resistance and fighting and, you know, um, uh, resistance, resistance to oppression. So it's really about, okay, if this is what's happening, what do I do to counter that? Um, I always say comfort don't compromise. Reality shows us, um, health research shows us that there are certain foods that literally serve to actually make us feel better sugar etc like the body can become addicted and, and and sugar can mirror the effect of some illicit drugs quite frankly i but i also know that you know with regard to eating and food and health disparities that some of those foods contribute to poor health so think about your body you know and prioritize your health Right, so yes, you may want the piece of comfort food, but don't compromise, right? So, you know, yourself in terms of it, you know, engaging in um, the emotional eating that I see sometimes, you know, in an effort to soothe oneself. So I balance that out, I'll give you my own recommendation. Maybe I want, you know, the, if I have a sweet tooth, something that feels comforting, because that's, that, you know, that's something that we do. We eat more happy, sad, but I'm going to, I'm very intentional, especially in the, you know, now in the pandemic about what I bring in my house. I'm juicing, you know, eating salad because my body 
needs to be able to function optimally under a time of duress. I may not be able to control when that phone rings or when something happens, right? And now my body's back there, but I could at least give my body what it needs to survive longer some of the moments. So on a very practical level, you know, our nutrition is really important, the exercise. So the vigorous exercise is not just about sweating and it's also about releasing toxins and stress hormones that live in the body, comes out with those stress. So I'm counter, uh, you know, acting the, you know, the impact again of, you know, um, thinking about how to keep, you know, or modulate blood pressure and things of like that, they're also going to compromise um, our health. For folks with substance issues, I think being aware um, and being in touch with folks to support you, but also for folks that don't. I've certainly had, you know, colleagues say, well, I took a box out and plant, 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 you know, I heard all these wine bottles. Being really aware, right, of what may happen habitually. I don't want folks to go, there's a place of numbness that trauma can bring us to. And so the goal is not for us to numb out, right, and to not respond. It can be hard to sit with the rage. It can be hard to sit with the sadness and the range of emotions, but numbness is really, you know, critically um, for me, uh, dangerous as well. And so the goal is not to numb ourselves, but to do what we can to honor and validate our feelings, maybe not allow them to overtake us and over, you know, overcome us. And that's going, that's going to look different depending on your personality. But the goal is if you don't have a plan in place and you don't begin to habituate. In other words, make this a part of your daily routine. It's going to be really hard if you're only going about this from a reactive standpoint. Racism is pervasive. It's every, everywhere. And we're in this moment now. We might be in another... Ideally, we won't be, but we might, you know, another four years from now, we could be in the same position. So I encourage folks, you know, to, again, habituate is the word that I'll use. Some of these things, implement them into your life. And then times like this, you lean even harder into them because our bodies are going to be, and our minds, you know, are going to be potentially that much more compromised. Um, I call that the racism recovery toolkit. Um, and literally, yeah, I was having a conversation with my life partner about that. We are two different people, you know, in a relationship and we you know, approach things and think differently. And, and he remarked one day, he was like, I don't, you look so calm. I'm not calm. <laughs> I'm doing what I need to do. I had just worked out. I listened to my music, right? And I drank my juice that I eat, my carrot juice. And I, um, I'm intentionally, right, preparing myself. And I am very vigilant about what I allow in my space, in my home, who I'm talking to. Some folks um, have said to me that I'm really hard um, as I sort of pack a punch, but I, I, my friends know me as I reserve the right, dot, dot, dot. I reserve the right to not answer the phone, Amen. not return the email. That's an act of resistance. Mm -hmm. Silence with regard to white supremacy for white identified folks is, you know, can be collusion. For people of color who experience racism, it's resistance. I don't have to respond to the email from my white coworker who all of a sudden has decided that they have an anti-racist, you know, ideology and they want to email me how they're feeling about this. You don't have to respond to that. Um, and I don't have to apologize. I don't have to rationalize for that. But they can, you know, because that's about them. That's not about me. And I know that for some folks that's going to be really hard, but I feel like this is my own personal opinion that we spend a lot of time taking care of other folks and that chips away at our souls as well. But I reserve the right right, to take time for myself, that my self-care is my act of resistance, um, that I don't have to respond in the moment to everything and everyone that's pulling on me, and that I need to rest when I need to rest, and that I will put my energy where I desire to put my energy. I think the, the other piece for folks is that creativity is pretty powerful. So for those who, folks who need to release, maybe it's the protest, maybe it's the poem, maybe it's the artwork. For me, it has been giving back to the community. That's my release. 
Um, I do, I've had all these years of training. I've been very blessed and fortunate to have wonderful mentors of color. And so that's not about me. Um, you know, I, I could care less about the institutions I've uh, you know, been to. I recognize that other folks care about those. For me, it's here's the information. Um, give the information to the people so that they can take care of themselves. And that's been, you know, how I counteract, you know, my ability to do something and not feel so helpless. Now you've done, a, a, a Dr. Jeremy, you I see you, you laid out a, a, a very good blueprint of how this is how we set ourselves up to be strong at the most critical point. You know, we need to, to eat right, exercise, uh, intentionally be resistant of, of uh, these negative influences that kind of don't overpour ourselves over uh, uh, consume of beverages, you know, drugs, or even people's emotions and their problems. We have to protect our chi, so to speak. And um, when you have, those are great enumerations of that happening. But what I find with racial trauma on the, on the most powerful social level that, you know, the, you, talk, you, you, you briefly refer to your uh, life partner Mm -hmm. um, your chosen life partner, when, when these life partners try to come together and, and, and build, or they've, they've worked to build in this, they both experienced racism, racism, assuming that they're both African-American, they've experienced racism at this, this dimensional level that we talk about those four dimensions. And then in our interpersonal, when they're just trying to, to merge and become one, they're finding themselves but all of that trauma that they're experiencing individually, yes. now they're trying to even to, to merge. And I find it that they don't even know, like you said earlier, that the kids don't even know what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. That this, like it should be easy to just love, but they're experiencing, they're so tight. Their shoulders are so exhausted that when they come, they're already on nine. So wait. I know you're not drinking out that coffee mug. What is wrong with you? Bam, I'm on 10. Right. Coffee mug. So how do you, how do they combat that? How do we, we heal that? How do we work through that? What is a way that we can work through that? And I pose that question to both of you all, uh, quite frankly. Please uh, take out the time and try to, try to respond to that. Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, our relational awareness starts with our individual awareness, and that's easier said than done. I mean, I think you know, the critical point is, like you said, sometimes when folks are so busy trying to survive and that they're, they don't, you know, some folks see it as a luxury, right, to be able to, for example, go to therapy and, you know, facilitate that. Um, and, and so for me, it goes back to that idea of it's a complex answer, but it's not impossible. And, you know, really starting um, to break a generational cycle so that we can facilitate that awareness, we can pour into folks, we can make them, you know, aware of history so that they can develop their own sense of self-awareness and, and begin to ask themselves, right, um, and be open to. If I'm not able to in that moment, sometimes it's about giving our partners feedback. Uh, and again, this is something that's happened in my household as we, you know, watch, you know, try to live through the pandemic and watch the George, George Floyd stuff. You know, my husband identifies as a, you know, a Black male and I've watched him, I watched him four years ago, I've watched him, I can sort of predict his patterns, and I just, you know, we promised to tell each other the truth, and so I said, I need to tell you the truth about how I'm experiencing how you're going about this, almost from an avoidance perspective, and then one day he hit a wall, um, and it just came crashing down on him, and I said, you're not doing what, you know, you need to do um, to ensure that you have the space. He's an introspective person, I'm, are you writing, you know, what are you doing, and so, 
I mean, that's, again, something from an intervention standpoint, maybe giving folks ideas, but I do think um, being able to balance one another out, but it's going to require that openness that, you know, we can talk and reflect. So like you said, even if I'm, why are you drinking out that coffee mug? You're right, permission to sort of say, well, where's, where's this coming from? Is this really about me and the coffee mug or is there something else going on? Can we talk about it? Can I listen? You know, can I hear? Can we recognize that we're both, you know, dealing, we're both dealing with this? And I am hearing lots of folks talk about, you know, the fact that they are, they feel very tight. They don't know what to say. There's so much coming at them that they're, you know, shutting down. And that's going to affect relationships, you know, with partners as well as children, you know, et cetera. And so for me, it's really encouraging people not to succumb to the consequences of racism and to internalize that really um, and allow that to deteriorate, you know, our relationships. Um, but to be aware and to, you know, operate from, a, you know, the standpoint that we're going to actively do what we can to promote our well-being in an effort to combat those. Um, and in those moments when it's too tough, you know, again, learning how to communicate is really important so that you can be in a position, even if it's not in that moment, to come back and sit down and say, listen, I noticed that you're really upset or that you're, you know, X, Y, and Z. Let's talk about what's really, you know, going on, you know, and you have to be upset. It was a conversation I had with my husband. Watching you watch them, I know that you're one of the only, you know, uh, male individuals in your, in your corporation and your company that you work with. I know that they've been emailing you. I know they've been having these meetings, like, you know, and I've got, you know, I've got folks that I can rely on. That's the difference between us. So let's talk about that. What do we need to do for you? Dr. Sarper? I don't, I, um, I don't know that I can, I can say much more than you just said. <laughs> like you, you you hit it right on. The, the issue is, I don't know what's going on to, with me to be able to talk to you about it. And so what I'm doing is I'm reacting to um, feeling like what you said is in some way another way or another place I'm feeling invalidated or that I'm not good enough or that I'm not responding in the right way or, uh, and, and it's, it's bringing up these other um, times in my life where I felt like I wasn't heard or understood or validated. And it's in, and I don't see you as any different. Then I begin to uh, merge you into this experience I'm having everywhere else. And so then home doesn't feel like a safe space anymore. You don't feel like a safe space anymore. And, and you, I, I don't, there is no better word than self-awareness. Mm -hmm. I have to be aware of what's going on with me. And, and sometimes it takes my partner to be able to tell me because I don't even realize what I'm doing because I'm so lost in I'm experiencing all of those things you just laid out earlier in your response to my, uh, my question about my hypervigilance and my anxiety and my insomnia and my anger and my sadness. And all of that has consumed and overwhelmed me to a point where I no longer can even hear what you're saying because I'm so wrapped in that. And so because we love and care about each other, then you're able to say, hey, hey, uh, so is this really about this coffee mug? <laughs> and, and because then I, 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 that makes me reconnect with, oh yeah, 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 you're, you're my person, you're on my side with this. No, it's not, it's not about this coffee mug. But not everybody has the capacity to get to that space when they're so wrapped up in the other experiences that they're having in the, in the trauma. So that being said, what, what resources would you suggest for people we are all struggling with a variety of different things. And uh, I don't think we always know where did you mention the luxury of, of therapy. And I, and, and I think that's true. Um, there, is, there is some privilege that comes along with being able to have a, 
a psychological provider in your life or, or a coach that everybody does not have. So what resources would you suggest to people in terms of books, blogs, websites, whatever you may have in all of your years of experience that can help people as they're struggling to get through the trauma that they're the most basic resource that I would say with folks, you know, folks, and it comes with a caveat is, you know, starting with Google, I'll give you some specific ones. And I say that only because um, I feel like in the last two weeks, there are lots more resources that are popping up, including folks who have created and curated um, lists. There, unfortunately for me, I'll be honest, with regard to racial trauma, you know, our field has been saying our field is in psychology. Um, and in some ways, society hasn't really honored um, the psychological and um, health consequences of racism. There have been, you know, scholars have been on the front lines fighting for this. And as such, from a formal standpoint, there haven't been as, you know, as many explicit um, resources out there. In 2014, I wrote the, I co-wrote the Racial Trauma is Real um, piece, and we disseminated it to the public for that reason. Um, and it includes a racial hashtag, you know, one word, is just a brief article, but it includes some very specific concrete steps, as well as that racism recovery toolbox that I mentioned. Um, and it talks about, uh, I have it over here next to me, you know, the daily maintenance of centeredness in the face of racism, racial trauma triggered response plans. It sort of walks you through these seven steps of acute uh, stress and crisis, etc. And we generate that um, in the absence of being able to find um, real resources to help folks conceptualize, understand, and to do something practical. A lot of the articles that have been written are very researchy and conceptual, but we're looking at, you know, even for providers, how do you work with people and truly treat them? So I'm going to, you know, start with, again, there may be some additional resources. There are some social media, I would say leverage social media, to be very selective and be a very critical consumer, but I would say Instagram in particular has some um, therapists and some community-oriented groups have been putting out a lot of resources as well that are tangible in terms of, you know, looking at racial trauma. I am going to say, in my own personal opinion, that, you know, unfortunately, with any given um, crisis, there are folks that tend to jump on that bandwagon. And so some of my colleagues who've been doing this work for years were talking about, you know, be a critical consumer of that. So I've seen Sometimes folks will say, here's a group for racial trauma that has popped up. And if you read the small print, the person says they're not an expert in that. And they're, you know, free groups open to the public. And that's not quite ethical. But I do want you all to, like, read the fine print, do a little research on who's delivering. Um, I saw someone today. Um, there's been a, a young woman um, at the University of Kentucky who has a center um, for healing racial trauma who's a psychology professor, Dr. Candace Hargens, um, who's been doing some work, particularly for kind of the, the millennial generation. Um, and uh, she offers several community-oriented events and now in a virtual space. So there are some ways in which folks are offering free services and free support and free information. Um, it's coming fast and furious. And so, like I said, with that, I do want folks to read bios, read information, because not everyone has the background versus is kind of jumping, um, you know, uh, in an effort to, in some ways, provide, you know, services and other ways to, to continue to be relevant. I'm just going to be honest about that. Um, so you do want to, like with anything else, um, you know, exercise some caution. Uh, in addition to that, in terms of thinking about just books and resources, um, 
there are for children in particular, um, my recommendation around that racial socialization piece is balancing out some of the books that talk about, you know, like beautiful skin color and hair texture and all those things to get the racial pride. Um, but also there are books that have just developmentally appropriate stories about like the Oklahoma um, riots, Oklahoma, uh, 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 Tulsa, Oklahoma riots and things of that nature. So again, feeding information. Um, but we're really, you know, I think we are lacking in some ways with regard to, like I said, um, some of the resources that I would hope would be out there. Myself and my colleagues and some of the folks, um, like I said, who've done this work will be offering free resources as well. So we are doing um, a walkthrough of the races of the company plan steps um, in about a couple of weeks. And on my Instagram page will announce that. So the folks who co-authored with me are literally going to walk through um, some tangible uh, resources. But most of the work in this area formally has been done by, you know, by clinicians in the mental health field. The other pieces are really going back to our advice and talking about, you know, really doing some research on what are the ideal things I can do to maintain, you know, my health. What are some ideal things that I can do to counteract some of the negative consequences? What are the, some of the things that I can do to promote self-awareness um, to ensure that I'm, you know, adhering to my psychological health under that umbrella of, you know, thinking about about healing as we continue to generate and really put out, um, I think, more recommendations for folks. I think that was uh, uh, those were some great resources and especially something to be mindful of as we. Uh, uh, as we consider using some of these resources, we know that people are trying to cope in any way they can, so they're trying to provide something and throw something out there. But it is critical that we have ethical, sound leaders who are providing this stuff. Because what you guys provide, it may not be medicine that I can take in an aspirin, but it is definitely medicine that helps us recover. Mm -hmm. uh, the most powerful, I think, is the psychological uh, medicine that you guys are, are, are giving us through this talk therapy and research that you guys both amazing talents have done um, this has been another episode of in our own defense podcast we've been discussing racial trauma with dr marion jernigan noesi uh, this concludes this episode of in our own defense podcast we're your host attorney ad winters and dr dolores tarver uh, for more information about our podcast you can follow us at instagram at in our own defense uh, or YouTube at In Our Own Defense, or email us at inourowndefense at gmail.com. Um, Dr. Noesi, we thank you so much for being a great guest on our show and enlightening us. Uh, Dr. Tarver, did you have any final words? Just want to make sure that Dr. Jernigan Noesi gives her social media handle, yes, website, <laughs> and information so that people can access you. <laughs> um, so my, um, I'm probably the most active in terms of resources for folks, and I do that across the developmental piece, again, for children, adults, families, um, is at mindfield, so M-I-N-D-F-I-E-L-D underscore Dr. J, at mindfield underscore Dr. J. Um, and I also, on my Facebook page, which is just Jernigan and Associates um, Consulting, um, or at Dr. Miriam Jernigan, is lots of information. So I tend to share more of the um, media articles or things that I've critiqued that I feel would be helpful. And they kind of span the idea of both mental health psychology as well as general information that, you know, for me promotes resistance, activism, and well-being, um, in particular for, you know, traditionally marginalized groups. So both of those um, places would be um, good 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 places to um, find resources as well as just information and to also learn the names of some of my colleagues that i trust who also have good, good information. That's, what, that's what i wanted to get at <laughs> <laughs> absolutely 
Good deal. Dr. Tarver? Well, I just want to thank you again for joining us today. You have just, you have no idea what you've done for me. I will speak personally uh, in everything that I've been experiencing, as you said, over the past few weeks. And just to have someone with your background lay out some very practical and realistic things that we can do. So I'm just going to tell you right now that I'm going to steal. I reserve the right and I will be passing that on to people because I think that that is one of the most powerful ways that people can get some control back over mm -hmm. what they're experiencing. Whatever, whatever that is, I reserve the right to do this. And, mm -hmm. this, and I, I really appreciate that. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed the conversation and I just appreciate um, that you all are having the conversation and again, disseminating to the, uh, the information to folks that need it. So you, you are to be applauded for that as well. Thank you. And as always in this show, uh, you know, I feel like I'm the slacker because we keep bringing on extremely talented guests with Dr. Darber. Uh, you guys have enlightened me. I feel better, I feel stronger. I feel uh, a bit more healed. Um, um, this has been therapeutic for me, and I know our listeners will have enjoyed this uh, as they hear it and receive it. Uh, thank you again, Dr. Jernigan. I know SC, and, and thank you again, Dr. Sarver, as always. And this has been another great episode of In Our Own Defense podcast. Again, you can follow us on Instagram at In Our Own Defense uh, or YouTube, our new YouTube channel, In Our Own Defense. Uh, and you can email us at inourowndefense at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Take care.